All right. So we are in part two of our series, Crazy Like Us. And, uh, and, and if you were here last week and you came back, <laughs> I'm so impressed. That's, that's unbelievable. You're like, you even came back for round two. Uh, kind of like, that's, that's amazing to me. And, uh, and those of you that weren't here last week, you obviously didn't watch the, the message from last week online because you're kind of like... Uh, what is he going to talk about? And, uh, and those of you that are joining in online, those of you over in COZED, um, you know, guard the door over there in COZED. Uh, people are going to be like, I'm out of here. I don't want to listen to this. So here's, here's the thing. Um, this series is all about personal finances, which is like the last thing anybody wants to hear the preacher talk about. And, uh, and, and, and maybe deservedly so, because I think the church maybe deserves a little bit of a reputation of misusing finances or having selfish motives in finances. And so if you're skeptical of the Bible, you're not a Jesus person, uh, I would imagine that's one of the reasons why you're not, is because you're convinced that's, that's the case. And, uh, and, and so last week I made this promise, and, and uh, so I just want to make sure that you're aware, because I want to remove um, any notion that I have any selfish motive uh, for, for you whatsoever. So here's the thing. Um, you don't have to change anything. When we get to the end of this, you can just keep doing whatever it is you're doing. That's fine. Um, if you're not a Jesus follower, for sure, you could just be like, well, that's crazy. And, and you could keep doing, because I certainly can't, I have no authority to tell you what to do. And, uh, and, and But here's the thing. Um, if at the end of this, you're a Jesus follower and you're thinking, you know, maybe I should change a couple things. Uh, but I'd still think that Eric might have some selfish motive in this. Here's, but I feel like maybe I should start working on this generosity thing or having a plan. Um, here's what I would love for you to do. You start giving it, just don't give it here. You're kind of like, what preacher ever says that? Okay, I, I, okay there's got to be some kind of... How are you going to have a selfish motive if he says to give it somewhere else? So Because I really, truly do. I want something for you, not something from you, because this is what I truly do believe. It is impossible. It is impossible for Jesus followers to grow spiritually the way they could or the way they should until they surrender their finances to the Lord. It's impossible. You might grow a little bit, but I'm telling you what, some of you, you, you have followed Jesus for a lot of years, and, you're, and your relationship with Jesus has just kind of gone sideways, but you've never surrendered your finances. And one of the reasons it's gone sideways is because of that right there, because that is the chief competitor for your heart. And so you have a foot with Jesus and a foot with your finances, and you haven't come to terms with those two things together. So in this series, I want to teach you how to be generous. I don't want to teach you how to give. You already know how to do that. Um, I don't want to teach you how to give. I want to teach you how to be generous. And you're like, well, wait a second. Then aren't those you know, the same, same thing? See, and part of you're thinking, well, Eric, I, I already am generous. And you're thinking that you're generous because from time to time, you do give. And from time to time, you're kind of like, well, there's this deal in the community and and, you know, this family was going through a situation or their, you know, house burnt down. And, you know, so I, I, I gave them some, some money and they had this fundraiser, you know, over at school. I gave them some, some money. And so, 
We think random acts of giving equals generosity. Now, I am all for random acts of giving, and I hope that you will do random acts of giving, but random acts of giving should be on top of a a life that's ordered around generosity, because generosity is more than random acts of giving. It's way bigger than that. In fact, last week, we gave this definition of generosity. The premeditated, in other words, you have a plan, Calculated, in other words, you've already established how much you're going to give. Designated, in other words, you know where it's going to go. Emancipation, I love this, my favorite word of the whole uh, uh, definition. You're going to set it free. You're going to set free uh, these, these personal financial assets. And one of the things, whenever I have a message on giving, um, I have people that I know are like, well, I don't make enough to be generous. And, uh, and so, you know, someday if I win the lottery, I'll, I'll be generous, but right now I can't do that. So you kind of move this into, um, I'm just going to be generous with my time. Um, I'm not going to let you do that. <clears throat> you, you can't get off the hook in this one. This, this series, I hope that you're generous with your time. I really do. But this series is specifically about your personal financial assets. So I'm going to make a statement that maybe doesn't make any sense, and then I'm going to spend the rest of the time... You know, kind of talking about it, and hopefully by the end it will make a little bit more sense. But most Americans feel financial pressure because they have never learned to be generous. Do you know that? Most Americans feel financial pressure. You're like, no, 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 Eric. That can't. That can't possibly be true. Most Americans feel financial pressure because they have never learned to be generous. Man, you got to come back next week. We're going to give you really, really practical steps on how to be generous and how to order your life around generosity. Don't miss next week. Do you know the word that is most associated when we talk about finances in America? And I would imagine all the way around the world, but for sure in the U.S., do you know the word that's most associated with our personal finances? It's this word right here, worry. Will I, will I have enough? Will I be able to get into the school that I want? Will I be able to afford that? Will I be able to get the car that I want? Will I be able to get the house that I want? Will I be able to get the kitchen that I want? Will I be able to get the shop that I want? Will I be able to get the truck that I want? Will I be able to to provide for my kids the way that I want? We worry. And the reason we worry is, did you know that um, most Americans, most Americans spend more than they make? Most Americans, the majority of Americans, spend more than they make. And so, you know, one of the reasons we worry is we're spending at a level that's equal to and beyond what we can afford. And the only way that we can do that is borrow from tomorrow and bring it into today. Most people call that debt. And, and in our society, it's kind of interesting if you would talk to my mom and, and, and you know, when she was growing up, debt was a bad word. Um, certainly to her parents, debt was a bad word. To us, it's like, that's just the way everybody lives. But debt's a little bit crazy. In fact, consumer debt is really crazy, right? I mean, you think about, you think about debt for a second. You know, we have this, you know, mo- this, this, this timeline that just kind of goes on and on and on. And then there's this moment of purchase. So I sign on the dotted line, and, and here's what happens with debt. 
And with that, the, the, the minute I do that, see, here's the principle of what it costs, but it costs more because here's interest, and uh, we all know that interest rates are rising, so it's costing even more. And the minute, the instant we purchased it, the value went down. So when we, when we purchase something with debt, that, that all of a sudden the value when we purchase it goes down, it's just kind of a bad kind of debt. It's, it, it's, and especially if it's like consumer debt. Do you know how much value is if you ate it? You borrowed it to eat it. There's no value. Zip, zip, zero. You cannot regurgitate the food and resell it again and get your money back. Not happening. Come on, that was kind of funny. You guys are all wound up tight this morning talking about finances. Doggone it. Right? So there's no value. This is kind of crazy, but it's normal to us. We don't even bat an eye at this, even though you look at it and you're like, that's a little bit crazy. We just think, no big deal. It's, you know what? And do you know what debt leads to? No margin. When we spend what we make and beyond, and to do that and to afford the lifestyle that we want, we take on debt and we have no margin, guess what word is associated when every single month I have no margin? Worry. And here's what we're worrying about. We're worrying about future consumption, right? I, 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 I want to be able to, to live at this lifestyle, and at this lifestyle, I, you know, I got to be able to consume this much, and I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to consume as much as I want to consume. And so we consume more than we can afford, and so we take on consumer debt. And then we have no margin for future consumption, which leads us back to more worry. You see, what drives this, what drives this whole thing is a mindset. It's a mindset. So let me, let me, let me ask you a question. How much more money would it take to erase your financial worries? How much more? Let's Let's just start right here. How much more money would, would it take for you to say, okay, well, I don't, you know what, I don't need to spend, I have more than I need to spend now. 10%? 15%? How about 20? What if you went to work tomorrow morning and they said, good news for you, you got a 25% raise. Would you go home and tell your spouse, tell your roommate, you'd be like, you're not going to believe this. Like, I got a 25% raise. Now, I don't need to spend right up what it is I'm, I'm making. No. Do you know what you would do? You would do what you have always done. And you would adjust your lifestyle to what it is that you are now making. This is not a money problem. It's a self-control problem. And if you got a 25% raise, you would be like, well, now that I'm making this much, I can buy the Bronco instead of the Equinox. Because, see, I can afford the payment, right? So I'm going to take on 
more debt. But debt isn't a, you know, this is not a money problem. This is a contentment problem. How much more money would it take for you to have no margin? To, you know, if you're like, you know what, I, if I made... If I made 10%, would it be 10%? If you're kind of like, now I have, you know what, to have, if, it would, if, you, if you got to work tomorrow and, and they gave you a 25% raise, would you start seeing 25% more in your savings account? Kind of like, eh, see, <clears throat> this is not a money problem. You're kind of like, well, no, I still wouldn't have any margin. This isn't a money problem. This is a discipline problem. Which leads us back to worry, and Jesus says worrying is not a money problem, it's a spiritual problem. And Jesus said, you've placed your trust in riches, not in the one who richly provides. And when you place your trust in riches rather than the one who richly provides, you worry. And it is a spiritual problem. That's why, that's why I say it's impossible to continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus and not surrender your financial world. See, <clears throat> this, where most Americans live and think it's normal, it's crazy. And I think when you look at it, you're kind of like, that is kind of crazy, but that's kind of where I'm at. And here's the thing. Just time out for a second. If you are on this and right now you are feeling so condemned, like you're starting to beat yourself up and you're kind of like, I'm the only one. Here's the thing. Your enemy is going to try to convince you you are the only one that lives this way. You are not. You, you are not. In fact, I would imagine the majority of us, if not all of us, have been on this crazy cycle from time to time, Okay. So, no shame, you can get off of this crazy cycle and come back next week, we're going we're gonna to teach you how. But here's, here's where we start to lie to ourselves. We just think, you know what, if I had more money, that's what would fix it. But here's the thing, more money doesn't generate more self-control. It, it, it doesn't. More money doesn't generate more discipline. More money doesn't generate more contentment. It doesn't. And, and it, it, it doesn't generate more generosity. See, for many of us, it's kind of like, well, you know, I, yeah, I kind of live on this crazy cycle, but, you know, I still, you know, I still give, you know, when, when something comes along. I mean, I, I give to the cancer deal and I give to the, you know, other deal, and when everyone else is pulling out their wallet, you know, I, I, I pull out my wallet, wallet too, but, but don't you dare ask me to do something to get me off of this cycle, because that's, that's just the way we live. See, generous people are not driven by the assumption that it's all for my consumption. That's why I want to teach you how to orient your life around generosity because generous people are not driven by the assumption that if I, 
that if I get this raise or that I get this, you know, get this amount of money or if I get a different job and all of a sudden I'm making this much money, whereas before I was making this much money, I get married and it's like, whoa, now we got two of them. It's like, whoo. It's all for my consumption. Generous people don't live that way. They, They get off of this crazy cycle. Do you know what Jesus calls this? It's a word that you and I don't like. It's a word over, you, you and Cozad, you're not like this. Online, we don't like this word. And, and here's the thing. We can't see it in the mirror. Like, we know some people are this way, but we never think it's us. But Jesus says this. It's greed. It's greed. It's the assumption that everything that comes my way is for my consumption. It's for me to consume. And here's the thing. Greed always, always, always leads to worry and discontentment, no matter how many zeros you add to it. It always leads to worry. It always leads to discontentment. See, most financial angst is the result of wanting what we can't get, not needing what we don't have. In the end, I can't get what I want. And that we can't stand for in the United States of America, can we? Especially when it's so easy to just go into some debt and then get what I want right now, and I'm going to borrow from tomorrow and pull it into today. Jesus talks about this dynamic in a parable, and a parable is just a made-up story. So Jesus just made up these fictitious figures in this parable to make a point. And, uh, and, and I'm just telling you, if you're not a Bible person, you, you, should, you should just read the red letters in the, in the New Testament. You should just read what Jesus wrote, because this is this is extraordinary. So I'm going to be in Luke chapter 12. If you've got your paper Bibles, open those hummers up to Luke chapter 12. We're going to be in, in verse 16. Um, pull it up on the Version app on your phone uh, or tablet, whatever you might have. Um, would love for you to follow along. In Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 16, Jesus says in this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an ab- abundant harvest. <laughs> 2,000 years ago, people were like, yep, the rich just get richer. We're like, I thought that was going to change. Well, no, it just kind of, you know, we always think, well, the rich, yep, sure enough, you know, the rich, of course, the rich man's field, you know, yielded an abundant harvest. That's what always happens. Things just seem to always go their way. So he thought to himself, self, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. In other words, all the places that I've already built to store my crops are all full. So I've already saved all of this, and, 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 and I, I have so much, I can't even hold everything that I've already saved. So what shall I do? <laughs> so interesting. He says to himself, this is what I'll do. And you, you know what he did? He does what you and I do. 
He did exactly what he had always done. He just did what he had always done. That's just how he had ordered his life. See, making more didn't make him generous. And that's what we think, right? Well, I win the lottery, then I'll become generous. You know what? I make a, then I'll, making more didn't make him generous. It just made him richer. And so he says, I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. In other words, I'm going to save it now to consume it later. Some of you, you can't even wait to consume it later, right? You just consume it now. Some of you are unbelievably great hoarder. I mean, say, hoard, say, hoarders. Say, say hoarders. Because you're scared of what if. What, what, well, I mean, what, what, what I need, I mean, I know, I, I know I've got a lot, I'm, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm upset, but what, what, what if? Because I'm planning to consume it later, both, and Jesus' definition is greed. It's still all for me and for my consumption. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. See, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but for many of us, if someone told us how much money we would be making in the future, we would have said, I, I'm set. Like, I'm, I'm golden. I'll, I would, I'll be out of debt. I would be worry-free. In fact, those of you, you know, you're, you're out of college now, and you, you, know, you got a few years under your belt. Do you remember back in college if you were like, if I ever made this much money, I mean, I can't even wrap my mind around making that much money, because if I made that much money, I wouldn't have any worries. And now you're making that much money and more, and you're more worried than you have ever been, because you have done what you have always But God said to him, you fool, not because he was rich, but because he was confused. God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. You assume, that, see, this is, this is your life, this, this, this tiny little vapor of life, and you assume that it was all for you to consume, but this very night, your life is going to be demanded from you. you. You thought it was all for here. And now, what are you going to do? Because you're moving into this part of your life. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Answer? Somebody else, not because he was generous, but because he was dead.
telling you, you got, you got to read Jesus. It's so powerful. This, this is how it will be. Bible observation. Start asking the text questions. Jesus, what is this? What is this? Total loss. I assumed it was all for me to consume in this life, and so I did. And, and part of you, you, you consume it all as you go. Others of you, you, you've moved beyond saving to hoarding. And without the, you know, thought that, gosh, my life is going to be demanding me at, at some point. It's going to end. And so you, you weren't generous with any of it in this life. And Jesus just said, now this part is total loss. Because you assumed it was all for you to consume. You consume it all or you hoarded it all. This, this total loss, total loss is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but aren't rich towards God. It's telling you. Jesus teaches this, this powerful stuff. See, your heavenly Father who owns everything and needs nothing says when you're rich towards those he loves, you are rich towards him. If you're asking, okay, how, how, how am I rich towards God? <laughs> when you are rich towards those God loves, you are rich towards him. It's like when, when someone else comes along and is rich towards one of your children, he is rich towards you. My brother John is a pilot. In fact, he just left and, and is flying uh, net jets, airplanes, all over the place, and it's usually calling me from Miami or the Bahamas just to let me know how warm it is there. And I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but my, my cousin, who was my dad's first cousin, paid for John's uh, pilot lessons as a graduation gift from high school. Now, that was a generous, generous gift towards John, now, I didn't feel like it was all that generous towards me, but I guarantee you my folks thought it was very generous. It was generous to them because it was generous to one of their sons. In the same way, when we are generous to those that God loves, we are generous towards him. See, generous people don't assume it's all for theirs to consume. And Jesus defies, he defies this, this myth that of, of ownership, that we own it, it's, it's ours. See, if it could be taken away, you never really owned it anyway, right? It's kind of like, and, and, and we learn this in different ways, and, and, and here's a couple, and some of you, you've learned it both of these ways, you lose it all. Like you had some, some finances, you had some wealth, and then it just kind of went through your fingers and went away. And you found yourself with total loss, and you're thinking, I never really 
owned it. Anyway, another way that we discover this is when you're going through your parents' stuff after they pass away, and you realize they don't own it anymore. And you end up, what do you do with their stuff? You end up giving a good portion of it away. Why? Because it has no value to you. Someone else is consuming it. You sell some of it because you don't really want it. And then you hold on to it, some of it, as if you needed more stuff to hold on to. And party is kind of like, I just want to kind of go home and go through our stuff and get, because I don't want my kids to have to do all of this that we're doing, because this is a mess. And you realize, I didn't really own it. Anyway, here's Jesus' point. Since it's all going to be taken away, why would you miss the opportunity to give it away? Since it's all going to be taken away, if you assume that it's all for you to consume, at some point it's all going to be taken away from you. And, and if you assume that, he's just telling you, that's going to be total loss. So why would you miss the opportunity to give it away in this life so you can send it on ahead to store up treasures for you in heaven? That requires faith, doesn't it? That's why we got to talk about it. See, generous people think like managers, not owners and consumers. Because ownership is really a myth. You just possess it for a little while, and then it's gone. And consumers are always, always discontent. So Crossing, Crossing, Kozad, those of you watching online, you could keep living this way. I mean, you, you can keep living this way, you just, but you just got to know it's, you'll always worry, and you'll always be discontent. And it's a bit crazy. And here's the thing. How we are going to teach you next week, it's going to be so practical, you got you to gotta come back next week. It's going to be so practical. Here's the thing. It's a bit crazy, too. But it's not as crazy as this. So my invitation to you is to be crazy like us. Because if you do, you'll experience so much peace, so much joy, and so much happiness. Because giving is better than receiving. Just pray with me. Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving us. And Father, I pray that those that are on this cycle right now, there's part of them that's just, okay, feeling like I'm the only one. They're not. They're, they're surrounded with a bunch of people that are probably still, you know, on this cycle. Some of us were on this cycle, and we took intentional steps to get off. And so I pray that you would 
give those that are on this cycle the courage to get off it. It's going to go against the culture. It's going to require some difficult decisions. It's going to require discipline, contentment, some self-control. God, I pray that you give them the courage to do that. God, thank you for teaching us how to put you first in every area of our life. Pray that you would help us to do that in the area of our finances. In Jesus' name, amen.